Pray for our leaders that God would give them wisdom to know what to do and how to do it and, and in what time. Uh, tonight on our calendar, it was scheduled to be a marriage enrichment class. And our calendar won't allow us to meet. But there's nothing that says we can't show that video. So my wife has gone to our website and he's she's written you a, a note. You need to go to our church website and read what she wrote. And it will tell you, she will instruct you how to watch our marriage enrichment video. I will probably say this. <clears throat> It'd be a good time to do that because we're stuck together in a house shelter in place we're together more than we've ever been you might need it now more than you've ever needed now brother cruz i know you probably don't need that as much as somebody that's already married Sister yeah yeah you don't need it as much i used to say that about kelsey but now she is married and i don't know how their shelter in place is but she's smiling Derek. Caden with her Wednesday night, but he didn't come back with her today, so something may not be right. Uh, Derek, just give me a call, son, if you need some instruction. I'll be glad to help you. Good to have you. God bless you. Turn around and shake hands with somebody. Not really, but act like you are. All of you at home, act like you're shaking hands with somebody. God bless you. We're so glad you tuned in. And I, uh, once again, I want to say... I appreciate the faithfulness of our praise team, our music director, coming here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and providing us with music, and I appreciate that more than you can imagine. And I also want to tell Brother Gary again how much I appreciate him coming and taking care of the sound, Brother Andrew taking care of our media and all of our team working together in these difficult times. So let's pray and let's do some fasting. You know, it's still in order for us to fast. Nobody's, I don't think any of us hurting uh, food-wise. Uh, we all have plenty of food. If you don't, you can get it real easy. Uh, we have plenty of food, but I still think there need to be some times in our week, we need to find a day and, and spend time in fasting. You need to have time that you spend uh, with the Lord in prayer. And if you can't do that in these difficult times, I doubt very seriously if you're going to do it in the good times. Amen? Amen. So be sure that you, uh, you do this. I want to turn your attention to Ephesians 5 and 8. And I'm reading from the NIV version. I read all the versions, and I just picked this one. I like the way it said uh, what I'm teaching this morning. In verse number 8, Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Notice verse number 10. It says, and find out what pleases the Lord. 
have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleep, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want us to go back to verse 10. I want you to notice what he said and find out what pleases the Lord. I, I think that's probably one of the best things that you and I could do in our lives is spend our time trying to figure out what God is pleased with in my life. Right now, <clears throat> when we have so much free time, Right now, when things are not like they used to be, and we all have more time than we've ever had, whether you're still working or not, you still have a lot more time, a lot more freedom. Why couldn't we spend this time in a search and trying to find out what pleases God? What do I do in my life that pleases God? What can I do in my home? What can I do in my family? What can I do in my relationship that pleases God? Everybody said amen. And bless the word. All of you at home, those comments that you make, send them in, send in amen, send in that's good preaching. If you've got anything negative, say don't send it. But if you got some worship or praise, just send it in. I'll read those. I asked my wife about it, and uh, it just makes me preach better. Everybody wants me to preach better? How many of you want me to preach better? Raise your hand. Nobody's re Gary, thank you. Okay, y'all do want you? Okay, you do want me to preach better. Well, I want to preach better. I want to preach. I want to preach good enough that you keep me around. Everybody say, God bless the word. You may be seated. Have you ever thought how difficult it would be to try to please everyone? I, I, I just can't fathom in my mind how hard that would be trying to please everybody. I've had enough dealings with just a few people to know that you cannot please everybody. Some people are not going to be happy. I don't care what you do. We humans are so difficult in our likes and dislikes. Some of you can't imagine living not one day without a debit card. Others in our church don't even have a debit card. And you wouldn't use it if you had it. You'd rather have cash or perhaps write a check and I I always get stuck behind those people in Walmart I, I just cannot pick the, the right line 
I'll go to Walmart and there'll be two people in this line and two people in this line. And I'll look and I'll choose a line. And when I get ready to, to it, right before me, some woman has got a, she doesn't have her check out. You know, you can write Walmart on the check and you can sign your name and you can date it before you have to. But I always get behind the ones that they, oh, they, it dawns on them. Duh. Oh, I got to pay for this. And so they have to deep, dig deep down in a purse and find that checkbook and start writing. And I, I just used to be so impatient when I was in a hurry all the time. I've slowed down. I'm not working like I used to. And I have intentionally slowed down. I'm enjoying life a lot better. But I still get frustrated with people that wait to the last minute to pay for a product with a check. Some of them still do it. Some of you still do it. A debit card is so easy. You just slide it and punch in a little number and it's done. Some of you will drive miles to get a Starbucks coffee and others are just happy to wake up with Folgers in your cup. Even things like desserts. For some, it would be a, a, a huge slice of chocolate pie or banana pudding. For others, it would be a cup of yogurt or some fresh fruit. For some, it would be mountain climbing and, and hand gliding or parasailing, while others would prefer to stay indoors, sipping on hot chocolate and playing a word game. For some, it would be playing sports, while others, it would, reading, would be reading a good book. For some, it would be a vacation on the beach, soaking in the sun. And others, it would be, uh, you would choose a, vo a vacation of skiing down a fresh powdered ski slope. While some would prefer to be deep sea fishing, others would prefer to be sleeping on a soft bed. In other words, what is Pleasure to one person could be pain for another. And what is terrific for some people might be torture for other people because everybody is different. But some, something that many people never consider in their lives is what does God delight in me? And how do we delight Him? How do we please God? How many have heard the statement, they are different as night and day? Anybody ever heard that statement? Thank you for raising your hands on the screen. None of these did. I, I thought I, if I had six or seven people, they would cooperate with me and get excited and do what I asked, but I can't even get these to do it. Thank you, uh, uh Brother um, Hannah, for raising your hand. I know you'll always raise your hand. Brother Tom, thank you. How many of you have ever heard they're different as night and day? Oh, that looks better. In the text that I read this morning, Paul was using this same kind of contrast between darkness and light when he's speaking of the old life without Christ as compared to the new life in Christ. 
In the scripture, Paul is speaking to believers when he says in verse number 8, you were once in darkness, but now you are in light in the Lord. He is saying that before we came to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we are the, were the children of Satan. We are without any light whatsoever and are content to be in darkness. But then something happened to us. We have been, uh, uh, we have been given God's grace and have by light in the Lord has begun to shine on us and we are different. I thank God for that difference. I thank God for that power that I received when God gave me the Holy Ghost. It does make a difference when you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You cannot do the things that should be done in God's kingdom without the power of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that gives you that power to say no to the sins of this world. Why is this terminology used? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We who were once children of darkness have now become children of light. This is not an overnight happening, but usually a process as we seek to live our lives each day. We get the light, but it's up to us to whether we're going to allow it shine or not. A lot of people get the Holy Ghost and they don't really know what they have. And you can see a difference in their lives. But when they really begin to show the difference is when they begin to realize what God has really done for them. Benjamin Franklin wanted to convince the citizens of Philadelphia to light up the streets at night, protecting against crime and making it convenience for travel in the evening. But he failed to influence them with his words that they needed to light up their city. So uh, he just decided that he would buy a lamp, and he put it out in front of his house. And his people noticed that his light was burning, and they noticed that it lit up his house, and it was noticed that people could see better when they passed close to his house. Passerbyers, people would appreciate the light. And soon others began placing lanterns in front of their homes until eventually the city recognized the need for well-lit streets. And today, because of this, we have street lights in all of our cities to light up the night in, so that we can see in the darkness. Somebody had a desire to light things up. 
The Lord realized that we were living in darkness. Sin is full of darkness. Darkness is everywhere. And we were in darkness in our lives. But God wanted to bring us out of that darkness and give us light. He wanted our lights to light up this dark world and show people the way. It is the responsibility of every Pentecostal that's been born of the water and spirit to light up. Let your light shine for Jesus so that somebody can see that you're different. They can see the way because you're showing them the way. They will follow you because you are in the light. And it makes a difference when you have light. People follow darkness because they're in darkness. But people will follow light because they have a desire to be in the light. Not everybody is going to accept this gospel. Not everyone is going to love Jesus. But there are people in our communities and in our cities and in our states and in this country and around the world that want to know Jesus in a dimension they've never known him. They are sick and tired of this world of darkness and hatred and sin. And they're sick and tired of being sick and tired of this world. And they need somebody to show them. Everybody point at you and say, I am the light of the world. I am filled with light. I am the light. And I am showing the way. And I intend to let my light be bright. Paul names three things that are produced in verse number nine in our text. One of them is goodness. The second one is righteousness. The third is truth. Goodness comes from the Greek word that describes love in action. It refers to the giving of oneself. In 1 Thessalonians 3.15, Paul says, Always pursue what is good, both for yourself and for all. A life of goodness doesn't just happen. If you don't practice self-sacrificing love in the little daily things, it won't happen for the big things in your life. Walking in the light only and always produces goodness which reaches out to others around us, but others produce righteousness also. Righteousness means living in right standing with God. If we're not careful, we think righteousness is how we dress, what we don't wear and what we do wear. Righteousness means living in right standing with God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God has made us righteous before Him in Christ. 1 Timothy 16 says, we are to pursue righteousness. 
If we are pursuing right standing with God and with others, we will live the same on Monday that we live on Sunday. There won't be a difference in my religion on Monday than it was on Sunday night or Sunday morning in church or Wednesday night Bible study. If I am pursuing righteousness, my righteousness is going to go beyond the church walls it's going to get outside the door and it's going to follow me wherever I go. People are going to see that I'm different. And folks, we got to have the Holy Ghost different in our lives. If our Holy Ghost doesn't make us different, our Holy Ghost is not doing what God intended for it to do. Somebody say amen. We won't have to go around telling people, I'm a Christian. It will be obvious to them that we are different. The third thing that walking in the light produces is truthfulness. It means the absence of deception. No lying. Truth is about what we say. Goodness is about what we do. And righteousness is about how we live. Paul says in Ephesians 4.25 that we are to put off falsehood and speak truthfulness to his neighbor. Verse 14 or 15 says that by speaking the truth in love, we will be all things, we will grow up unto him who is the head that is Christ. We'll grow up and we'll be mature and we will prosper and we will be pleasing to God if we'll put off lying and get rid of the darkness and start living for God with light shining forth in our lives. Somebody say, I want that light. So what is our part in all of this? How do we go about producing fruit? Where do we start? If we see that we are not shining brightly, and we're not really walking in the light, what do we actually do? Verse 10 in the New Living Translation, the text that I write, read this morning, says, try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. It says, try, you try to find out. This responsibility is on your shoulders not somebody else. The Message Bible says, figure it out what will please Christ and then do it. You is the subject of the sentence. You need to make it your business to try and figure out what pleases the Lord. You find out what is pleasing to God. You begin to walk in the light. You begin to believe in the word. And Matthew 6, 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let them see that you have something that's going to cause them to want to get to Lord God, because of you, because of your relationship, it will cause them to want to be in the kingdom of God. And an interviewer asked a very successful man, what is it like to wake up one day 
and realize you're a great success. The reply from that man was that this does not happen. If you are a success, you haven't been sleeping. Wise people take the initiative. They don't sit and watch. They take action to accomplish what they believe that God desires for them in their lives. Someone said that there are three types of people in the world. Those who do not know what is happening. Those who watch what is happening. And those that make things happen. Wise people make things happen. Wise people take the initiative. They see a problem and they act on it. They don't just sit passively and wait for an opportunity to, uh, before they uh, take action. When faced with a problem or a need, the wise person goes to God first. He seeks that wisdom and asks, what do you want me to do, Lord? And then they take action. If you want to know what the will of God is, God wants you to be active in his kingdom, letting your light shine and doing the things that he preached we ought to be doing, and that's winning the loss of our community. I want to be guilty of that. Do you? Somebody say, I want to be guilty. So what pleases God is when you don't try to impress God. Let me say that again because I want you to understand. If you want to please God, don't try to impress God. God is not impressed with our abilities. He's more impressed with our availability. God is not impressed with what you can do, but how that you can depend upon Him. In Luke act 18th chapter and verse number 10, it says, two men went up in the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice the word I. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners and unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. The Pharisee was a little bit arrogant. He did dot every I and cross every T theologically. He went strictly by the book. And he had truly a heart for religion. The problem was his religion had no heart. He was standing in the center of the inner court, right in the heart of the temple. And the reason that he stood there was because it was there he could be heard the clearest and seen the best. He let everyone know just how wonderful he was and how very close he was 
to God. He bragged about his fasting and his tithing. This man thought that many people think today. He thought his goodness gained him points with God. He thought God accepts a person based on merely what they do. He was very religious and he was proud of that fact. The Pharisee thought that God would be impressed with all that he was doing. But what impressed God is when you don't try to impress God. Five times you read that pronoun, I, in these two verses. This Pharisee had fooled himself about himself. This man was even fooled about prayer. Verse 11 says, he stood up and prayed about himself. When you approach God with pride, you're, you wind up talking to yourself. Someone once said, the only person God sends away empty is the person that is full of himself. You want to know what impressed God? Humility is what impresses God. Tax collectors were the scum of the Jewish society. They were the IRS of the Roman government. They charged outrageous rates. They skimmed extra money off the top. They were considered traitors to the nation of Israel. They were so despised they could not hold public office or even give testimony in a Jewish court because their word was considered worthless. The tax collector was the Pharisee. To the Pharisee, what an outlaw is to a sheriff. This man no doubt was a liar, a cheat, a traitor, and a swindler. The Pharisee tried to impress God, but he didn't. The tax collector impressed God, and he didn't even try to. Humility is what impresses God. The tax collector was as humble as the Pharisee was proud. Verse 13 says, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast in effort. He was saying, I know I have a filthy heart. He says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will 
be exalted. What impressed God so much with this man was the willingness to be humble. The willingness without waiting on God to do something for him. He smote his breast. He wouldn't even look up to heaven and he acknowledged I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I'm no good. I'm a sinner. And the Lord smiled on the inside and said this is the kind of person I can do something with. I'm telling you, if you want to get it close to God, you're not going to do it by thinking you are a blessing to the kingdom of God. You won't get anywhere with God if you're trying to impress him. But the minute that you acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I need help. I'm telling you, God will show up and he'll do something great in your life. But you got to humble yourself. Another quality that impresses God is honesty. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If you had taken a vote on that crowd, from that crowd that day, which that man was accepted by God, and which man would have safely entered into the kingdom, the Pharisee would have probably won by unanimous landside vote because people saw what he was before them, but they didn't acknowledge what he was in the darkness. But there's only one vote that really counts and that's God's vote. What does God think? What does the story have to tell us today? First we learn that it is not how you see you that matters. It's how God sees you that matters. Secondly, when you see God the way you should see God, then you will see you the way you need to see you. The third thing we notice that mercy is not what God pays you because you tell him you have earned it. It is what God gives you when you admit to him, God, I need mercy. The Christian life was never promised to be an easy way to live. The Lord made it very plain when he said, you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. The Lord told us in this life, you will have trouble. He never said it was going to be an easy road. But what makes it so possible for us to live for God and so powerful is that he said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come and dwell in you. We must have a purpose and a plan because times will be difficult and Satan will attack us while we try to live for God. But we never preserve without the promise of the final prize.
a promise God will always keep. Losers say, I have an excuse. Winners say, I have a plan. Losers say, it's not my job. Winners say, let me do it for you. Losers see a problem for every solution. Winners see a solution for every problem. Losers see a possible situation, but it's too difficult. Winners see a difficult situation, but they see the possibility of it. Losers say, God, look how my big problem is. Winners say, problem, look how big my God is. Yes, living for God may have times when you're lonely, risky, sacrificial, and responsible. But you must determine what you value and the price you are willing to pay to get something you want, you must give up something else. The church is filled with people who want God's benefits, the titles, and the perks. But in God's economy, there is no authority or blessing without responsibility. In fact, the first mark of sin was failure to take responsibility. Adam said, it's not my fault, God. You gave me the woman, and she gave me to eat. The woman said, it's not my fault, God. The devil, the serpent convinced me to eat. Our sin nature always wants to blame other people. But what I need to do is find out what do I do that pleases the Lord. Research it. Find out. Look for. Search for. Find out what I can be doing to please God. Here we are in a time like we've never been in before. I'm 70 years old and I've never seen anything like we are dealing with right now. I thank the Lord that I've got to come every week, but I've never gone this long without a real church service, without the powerful fellowship of the brothers and sisters. One time in my life when I was in, in the Army and basic training, did I not get to go to church every week of my life? You guys are blessed. Some of y'all are getting to come to these services. It is encouragement for us to be here. It's encouragement for me to see y'all, to hear you singing. And there's a lot of our churches not had that privilege. They're sitting there wishing they could be here. And I don't know how long this is going to go. I really don't. But it's during this time. It's during this time that God is in charge of. God is in control of what we're going through right now. God does know the purpose behind this. And if we're not careful, we could miss the whole purpose of what God's trying to do with us, the church, 
during this time. God is trying to get our attention. I think he's trying to get us to appreciate what we have had. We have been so blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. And I think God is trying to get us to appreciate this. I don't know what else the Lord has, but I do know one thing. In this moment, in this time period, is it going to be another week or another six weeks or another two, three, four months? We don't know. When it'll get back to normal, I know there's some talk of releasing some people to go back to their jobs and everything. That's not going to make it normal, church. I don't know when this is going to get normal, but I do know this, that it is during this time that every one of us should be investigating. We should be searching. We should be praying, God, let me know what I can do to be pleasing to you. Because if I can please you, it doesn't matter what happens to this earth. It doesn't matter what happens to all of the people of this earth. The only thing that really is going to matter is what can I do to please you, God, to make you happy, to let you know that I love you the way I should be loving you. Would you stand with me? Please don't waste this time. Church, please listen to pastor. Don't, don't just waste your time. Whatever happened to that we used to read about and hear about missionaries and different ones would tell us that they got along with God and when they finally got up praying a long time later, sometimes hours later, everything seemed different. Their lives seemed to change. Problems dissolved in their minds. Things they didn't understand were no longer important because they got along with the Lord. Please don't waste this time. Please find some moments where you get along with the Lord and say, God, I want to find out what I can do to make you happy. I want to please you. Because my goal is to go to heaven. We do want to go to heaven. Can you say amen? All of us have a goal to go there. But you can't go there just because you say, I want to go. You're going to have to show the Lord. You're going to have to live in a way that he's going to be pleased. Find out what it is that pleases the Lord.